0: Hi, welcome back to the Barrel Proof Baseball Podcast. This is a big week. Really excited. We had uh, on Monday, Dylan Nashaka came on, talked about his book. Today, we're joined by Rob Cooper, head baseball coach at Penn State. Friday, we've got a video about starting a bourbon collection. So really excited for that one too. Um, first things first, let's get some business out of the way. Support for the Barrel Baseball Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the absolute best in supporting your men's grooming needs. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the very best in men's grooming. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, Manscaped is offering 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code BPB at manscaped.com. Now, Manscaped hooked me up with... Their perfect package 3.0 kit, which includes their lawnmower 3.0. This includes a ceramic blade to reduce any grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This thing works. It's really cool. I've used it a couple times. I really like it. It works really, really well. Um, it's got an led light so you can trim in the dark. Uh, it's waterproof so you can trim in the shower. Um, or a dark shower if the lights are off and you're taking a bath or something whatever you guys do uh, you can use this if this is an appropriate time to cut uh, hair wherever so that's an awesome product um, it came with toner smells nice uh, you give yourself a little spray with that you're you're gonna smell nice for for quite some time um next part came with is this deodorant. It's a anti-chafing deodorant, so it's perfect for uh, you gentlemen after you uh, do some trimming uh, to help prevent that annoying chafing. Uh, it came with this nice nifty travel bag from Manscaped, and it also came with a uh, pair of boxers that are super comfy. So check it out. Remember, 20% off, free shipping. Use the code BPB at uh, manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code BPB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Second thing you can do, subscribe. Right now, while you're listening, while you're watching, go down, click subscribe. It's down to the right underneath the square where you see this. Okay, click subscribe. Third thing, Patreon. There's a link in the description box below. If you want to subscribe to the Patreon, do it. It's basically a monthly membership. You can get a little bit of uh, some goodies here and there. Um, it just helps pay the bills, helps support the channel, uh, and, and take care of some of the things that need to be taken care of from a financial standpoint. So if you're interested in helping out and supporting the channel in that way, check out the Patreon. You can get the Barrel Proof Baseball Etched Glen Karen Glass. Um, as one of the levels, you can get a coin, a ceramic coin. It can be used as like a... Uh, a golf ball marker if you want. It could sit up on your shelf and look nice. But this one's cool. This one's for bourbon. It's got an American flag. This one's for Irish whiskey. I like this one better, I think. It's a little thicker, a little heavier. It's got riding along the side. I kind of dig that a lot. Wish I would have done that with the uh, the bourbon one, but I like this one. So check those out. Those are um, available for Patreon members, or if you'd like to just purchase them, shoot me an email, barrelproofbaseball at yahoo.com. So, today's show, we are joined by Rob Cooper. Uh, Rob is the head baseball coach at Penn State. Incredible guy. Had a great conversation with him. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Um, his his history, his experience in baseball, his upbringing in baseball is really, really... It's, it's, it's surrounded by names that everybody in baseball knows. Let's put it that way. Um, he's played with, played for, coached with... Um, coached under some absolute legends of college baseball. So he has been surrounded by people his entire career that have been um, very successful. So there's there's no surprise that he's had the success he's had, um, you know, given just the kind of person he is, given the people he's been around, um, really, really enjoyed my conversation with him. It's just a really great baseball conversation over a couple of glasses of whiskey. And I'm definitely looking forward to the time that we can share a couple in person uh, and probably have a couple more glasses of whiskey because I feel like we could talk baseball for quite a while. So um, enjoy it. We talked uh, talked a little whiskey at the end also, but the uh, the baseball conversation is outstanding. I think for any young coaches that may be watching this, I think you could pick up a lot of uh, tidbits of information and advice from what Coach Cooper has to say. So um, take a look, leave some comments below, and. Let's uh, wish Penn State uh, best of luck this season. They open up this Friday, March 5th, against Northwestern, and uh, we will be following along and wishing them the best of luck. So here it is, Coach Rob Cooper. Welcome back to another edition of the barrel proof baseball podcast today. We're joined by Penn state head baseball coach, Rob Cooper. Coach, thanks so much for jumping on here with me tonight.
1: No, Tony, I appreciate it, man. You know, cheer. Anytime I can talk baseball and have a, a a nice whiskey. I'm, I'm in, I'm in heaven. So I I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So I, uh, I think we got through our our
0: technical difficulties that we were uh, experiencing, but, um, Tell me a little bit about yourself outside of baseball or, or pre-baseball, and let's let's hear a little bit about you.
1: Well, so I I actually grew up in Sacramento, California. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to you know play uh, junior college baseball at Sacramento City College for Jerry Weinstein. So that's kind of where I really got my education on. Um, baseball and, and coaching it's where I've got my first real love for for wanting to be a coach uh, that and my high school coach was a, a huge influence on my life um, I you know I tell this to people all the time and, and you know you I know there's probably people like this for you too you know the game brings so many great relationships into your life and you know two of the closest, you know, and most important relationships in my life and my high school coach and my junior college coach. My dad died when I was a freshman in high school and he had been my little league coach. So at a time in my life where I'm, you know, trying to learn what it means to to be a man and kind of, you know, chasing my own dreams and baseball and all that kind of stuff. I was, I was fortunate. My high school coach, and my junior college coach really took care of me. And so then I was, I played at Sac City and um, had a chance to go to the University of Miami, went to the University of Miami, was, uh, basically went there more or less to be a coach, um, to be honest with you, I played a little bit, but that's, you know, not why they, they opened their doors to me, but, uh, was at the university of Miami and, um, you know, was there for three years. Then I was fortunate enough to get, uh, an assistant coaching job at Wake Forest. I was there for a year I met my wife. Um, and, uh, then I was at Tulane university for two years. Uh, got done, uh, got, you know, was coaching there and then got an opportunity to come back to the West Coast and coached at Sac City for five years. And then went to, was an assistant at Oral Roberts for one year and became the head coach at Wright State. And I was lucky enough to, you know, do that for nine years Uh, and really enjoyed my time there. My, my two boys basically grew up in Dayton. Uh, And then we got, I got offered the opportunity to come to Penn State. It was a situation my wife and I and our family felt like we couldn't pass up and now just trying to trying to build this program and uh, hopefully the players can overcome the coaching and and we'll be okay but uh, um, that's you know it's kind of a little bit of uh, of kind of my journey in this thing I've been you know really fortunate to coach with USA Baseball and um, you know it's funny uh, I was having this conversation the other day with somebody. I mean, again, the relationships of baseball brings you, but then just the, you know, I, I I look at the game of baseball, you know, and I sit there and I think it because of that, that ball with those red stitches, you know, I met my wife because of that ball, the red stitches, I've, you know, I've been to ho- Holland. I went to Anne Frank's house. I've been to Japan. I've been to Taiwan. I've been to, Rio de Janeiro I I met John McCain because of baseball I got to shake Hank Aaron's hand he almost broke it he was so strong but like you know you just who who knew that the game would would you know bring you in contact with those kind of experiences and those kind of people but that's you know that's uh, that's what it's allowed me to do
0: I was I was trying to you know read up on on some of the you know some, some of the places that you've been and I've come across these names like Jerry Weinstein. I mean, obviously a legend. Um, Ron Frazier. Was he there your last mm-hmm. year in Miami?
1: So coach Frazier was the one that basically made it so that I could go there because Jerry had coached at Miami with Frazier. Mm-hmm. So he set it up for me to go there. Cause again, you know, I talk about what Jerry did for, for me. You know, I was not, and Tony, I wasn't a very good player. I, I was a smart player. I, uh, but you know, he asked, I was all set to go. My dad grew up on the East Coast and I was going to go back East. I was going to go to Northeastern or Providence College or Hartford and play. And, and Jerry, I remember Jerry one day in practice saying, how serious is it about those places? I said, well, you know, I'm going to get a little bit of money. I think I can play there and get a good education. And and I like the East Coast. And he said, all right. He's like, yeah. He's like, come see me after practice. And again, to give you the, an idea of the type of player I was, I was I was throwing batting practice in, in practice okay but so anyway um i go in and and i said skip you wanted to see me he turns around he said yeah he goes what would you think about going to the university of miami and i was just like i thought i thought one of our team uh, my teammates who was an all-american just walked in and i'm and he goes no you he goes listen those other schools are great opportunities for you. If you want to do that, totally support it. He's like, but I talked to the guys at Miami, they'll take you. I think you can go there and do similar stuff for us. You want to get into coaching. You know, I tell people all the time, like if he had, you know, if Jerry had just cared about me as my, what my stats were and whether or not I was one of the better players, he would never, uh, but uh, yeah, I was around Jerry Weinstein. I was around. So even though Ron Frazier wasn't the coach, I got to know him very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Morris, um, Rick Jones, Jim Schlossnabel and I worked together. Um, obviously Andy McKay, who I think is one of the best baseball guys I've ever met. You know, we're, he was the best man at my wedding. I was his best man. Uh, you know, I, I I'm blessed. I've been extremely fortunate to be around some really, really good coaches. And more importantly, the other coaches that they opened up, you know, like, you know, I remember going to a convention as a young coach and Jerry going, come on, we're going to go to lunch with Ray Tanner and, mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting there talking to one of the game's best, just picking his brain. And, and you know, that's something I, I, I never forget and don't take for granted. That was my my
0: very first ABCA. I never forget. It was the same thing. It's like you start to meet all these people who they're willing to, you know, I don't say take you under their wing, but more or less willing to help out, introduce you to people, kind of get you in the flow of things. And um, right, my buddy from college that I played with, his dad was Gary Pullins. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at BYU for a long time and coach Polans took us to dinner the first night with Ryan strain, who's now the head coach at Metro yeah. state in Denver, you know, it is the two of us and coach Polans and dusty Rhodes, And you know, we're sitting there chatting over dinner and it, like, it was incredible. Just the stories yeah. those guys were telling. And, and then just over the years, going to more conventions and having that same thing happen, meeting people, running into people and having conversations with people. Like you never thought you would really be sitting down talking to, and they can leave an impact. I think that's, that part's really
1: cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can remember Andy McKay and I talk about this all the time. Still, you know, going to conventions when we were, you know, um, in junior college, and because we started going as players, you know, we'd go barrier and then you know, but you walk in and you see these guys that are gods to you, you know, Ron Polk and Ron Fraser and um, you know Cliff Gustason and Mike Martin and, and you're you know and Augie Garrido and you know you're just like you know, these are, these are the kind of guys These that's what I want to do. I want to be that guy, you know? And, and again, I just remember so many of them being so welcoming. I mean, most of them were, I don't really remember anybody not being welcoming, but um, you know, it, it was, it was cool. I
0: remember we were in, I think it was Chicago and we ran into Augie Garrido, and my and Ryan Strain actually had just got a uh, grad assistant job at Nebraska and he brought me a Nebraska hat or something. We're sitting at the bar enjoying ourselves and Augie comes in and, it's like, I, I'm going to go say hi to him. That's Augie Garrido, you know? And yeah. he, I, I go to put my hand out to shake his hand and he goes, take that, take that off your head. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I'm not shaking shake your hand with that on your head. But it was, but he sat there for, you know, 15 minutes yep. and just chatting with us. And the yep. you know, same thing, Jim Morris, you know, ran into him at a convention and chatted with him. Um, you know, one year we saw Tim Corbin and we started talking to him and sent him an email, you know, after the weekend. And he writes an email right back. He says, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for taking the time to come up and say hi to me. Like, well, that's, that's a different level dude right there. Like, that's really cool.
1: You know? And the thing, you know, the thing about like Tim and, and those, all those guys, but I mean, like, that's not fake. Like they're not doing that. Uh, That's, that's authentic. Him sending that email to you is authentic. And it was part of what makes him who he is and how good he is. You know, Uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, and, and I, I I tell you something that was really cool. So, you know, there's one year where the convention was in Nashville and it was, I think it was probably maybe five years ago. So it wasn't, that was while I was at Penn state. And so I, I was like, you know, I'm t- I'll see if my younger son wants to go. And so my younger son was like, yeah, I want to go. So he went and, and I remember walking through, you know, that maze of a lobby at the, at the Opryland hotel and, and seeing Coach Garrido. And, and, you know, I'd been fortunate enough that like, you know, you said, I remember. Um, so when I was, when I was a young coach at Miami, we had like a five-day period where we weren't doing anything. And I said to Coach Morris and Coach Jerry, I called Jerry and I said, hey, thinking about flying out to Southern California, can you help set up meeting like for me to interview and watch practice at USC with Coach Gillespie with Augie Garrido at Fullerton and Dave Snow. And, And I had met Dave Snow before at Sac City, but anyway, got to do that. And spent the day with Augie and he answered all my questions and just so happened his assistant was George Horton. And, and, you know, you're, and I just go back to that. So, you know, fast forward to this convention, you know, here's Augie Garrido walking through the lobby. And I I was like, I'm going to make sure I introduce him to my son. You know, I want my son to know who this is. And, and, uh, that was kind of a big deal. Like I wanted my, my younger son to go, Hey, look, this is this guy right here is one of the reasons why college baseball is so great.
0: Yeah, that's, that's no joke. And all those, I mean, those names you just listed off. It's funny. Cause I, mean, I grew up in Southern California, so yeah. we used to go to Long Beach state and see Dave snow and see, you know, the Fullerton teams in the late nineties with Mark Kotze and those guys. And I mean th- that really like that era was what made me want to coach college baseball. And I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really want to coach. And I think <laughs> I'm getting, getting ahead of myself a little bit, you know, maybe focus on the, the playing a little bit more and less on, on coaching. But I mean, that was such a fun era with those guys. Um, and that, and then their their JUCO like their roots in junior college baseball, you know, with Snow and like Mike Gillespie and those guys, um, well, and, and, get- and,
1: Wally, and Wally Kincaid. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the coolest things to this day is, you know, what? So when I was coaching at Tulane, this is back when the regionals used to be six teams. Okay, and in that regional was we were at LSU, so it was LSU. It was Cal State Fullerton. George Horton was the co- head coach. Um, Serrano was his, his pitching coach, and Vanderhook was was there. But anyway, it was so it was LSU, Tulane, Fullerton, Nichols State, um, Harvard, and um, Southeastern Louisiana. And so it was, they used to do the banquets, you know. And so we would get there for the banquet, and you know I'm sitting there, and uh, and our volunteer coach at Tulane was a guy named Buddy Goldsmith and Buddy was my, was one of my Legion coaches. We grew up in this, in the same town. He was older than me. I used to watch him play in high school. And But anyway, when we needed a volunteer at Tulane, I had mentioned him to Rick Jones. They hired, he hired him. So we're sitting here in this banquet and all of a sudden here comes in, here comes Fullerton in and all of a sudden you look and there's Wally Kincaid, you know, and Wally Kincaid is the volunteer coach for George Horton. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't get real, you know, like geeked up, you know, I, when I, when I met John McCain, I like, that's a war hero, right? Like I was like, kind of speechless, you know, but I was kind of like that with Wally Kincaid because you know what he did for the game of baseball and, you know, he's, he's just not, you know, unless you're from California, or unless you really know college baseball, you don't really know who he is, but they, like you said, I mean, he impacted so many coaches it's crazy. Like you talk about coaching tree, that man has like the most branches, you know?
0: Yeah. And that whole that tree coming down from Cerritos was insane. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts. Um, it's funny. What that so was was Skip Burman still at LSU then?
1: Yeah. So Skip Burton, uh Skip Burman, um, again, George Horton, Rick Jones was art, was the head coach at Tulane, uh, Jim Pizzolato was the head coach at Nickel State, and he's uh, been working for the Boris Company for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. And and you know how you're talking about back in the day when you're in high school and you go to those games. Like mm-hmm. I was in high school, you know, growing up in Sacramento. On Sundays, I would get in the car and I would drive down to either Stanford or Cal and whoever they were playing, I just sit there. And I remember seeing, you know, uh, Mike Messina pitch for for Stanford. I remember seeing you know, John Zuber for Cal play. I remember, you know, that I remember watching Rodney Pete for USC, the quarterback played in the NFL. I remember watching him come in and play for USC and, and, uh, like, yeah, I was, those are some of the best moments I ever had.
0: Yeah. When I was coaching junior college in Southern California, I was, you know, trying to make extra money because making hundreds of dollars a year. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. I went over, uh, I was working at UCI and doing the scoreboard for their games yeah. and, you know, towards the end of Mike Gillespie's career. And I, I will never forget a game. They were playing San Diego state and they're down a run with two outs in the ninth. It's a one, two count. And this dude at the plate is just overmatched. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see the runner at first take two steps, fall down, runner at third, takes off and he scores. I'm like, there's this is one, two and two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Like that's a tying yeah. run. Yeah. Next year he goes, walk off single and ball game, you know? And, and, and I remember, I got a chance to talk to Mike Gillespie about that. And he brought up the 1998 world series against ASU. And it, when he had the stolen base with a 0-2 yeah. count, it was Morgan Ensberg stole home.
1: Yep.
0: And that like those guys coming out of the junior college ranks, they just, they, they had so much time to spend w- learning the game and, and going through that, the game, the game reps and just getting that experience and, and the things that they see were just unreal. I mean, that, what a, what a great era of coaching down
1: there. Well, I mean, look—you uh, know—look back in the day, man. What the like people that don't realize what the Orange Empire Conference was, mm-hmm. in the '80s and the '90s. I mean, you're talking about River, you know, Riverside and Cyprus oh. and Ritos and Santa Ana, and you are like—I mean, those guys were real, you know. And then, you know, you had Sac City up and up in the north, and you know, Steve Friend at Chabot always did a really, really good job, and and everything. Sanos, you know, uh, San Jose City under Barry uh, White uh, Woodhead. And then, uh, you know, Santa Rosa. But, man, that Orange Empire, uh, that, th- those are some battles. Yeah, th- that, was, that was, it was fun. I,
0: I think that yeah. was my, like, learning to kind of cut your teeth, I guess, as a coach and knowing, you know, like you said, you have Dennis and Pick and Snedden and those guys that have been around for a long time. It's, um, oh, gosh, boy, I can't remember his name at uh, Saddleback before oh, uh,
1: I can see him. I recruited him
0: too i can see the yeah. hawaiian shirt Golly, um, yeah yeah
1: yeah every time you'd call him his voice uh, male would say uh mahalo <laughs> when you yeah, i love the guy oh gosh jack jack, jack. Hodges, yeah jack hodges yeah, yeah
0: that was a that was a good that was a good time down there so off of that okay spent 11 years as an assistant coach right mm-hmm. or so and, yeah. and with great coach. and by the way i coached for two years at new mexico with buddy so i know Buddy. oh yeah
1: yeah
0: i love him to death but He uh, he always had great things to say about Rick Jones and that just Mm -hmm. that era of being down there and and even and it's funny that he brought up you brought up that regional but he 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 told me a story that he talked with uh, I think it was Skip Bertman after one of the games in that regional and just those stories you can't beat those but um, from your experience like going from being an assistant coach for as long as you were and then getting that Division One head job is that something that you were like really striving for, um, you know, going through the process of being an assistant, going from the Division One back to junior college at Sac State and then back to Division One school at, at ORU and then, you know, getting, getting the opportunity to be a head coach? Is that something you had always kind of wanted?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I definitely um, had a goal of becoming a head coach. Um, and, you know, the thing that, you know, we always say, right, if I knew back then what I know now and if I could go, you know, um, I was very fortunate to be at the places I was at. And I think like any young, naive, you know, coach, you're looking at like, okay, when can I be a head coach? When can I be a head coach? And so while I, I feel like I give my all at the places I was as, as an assistant and while I enjoyed my time there, like I, 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 I wish sometimes I could go back and tell myself, hey, relax. You know, as Tim Corbin says, the game's going to reward you on its time. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because the Wright State job just kind of happened out of nowhere. I mean, uh, I wasn't even in the mix. I had a friend of mine, Dave Grewey, who was an assistant at Notre Dame, and we were watching games together and got, got to be friendly. And, and he was like, hey, I'm, I'm looking at this job at Wright State. You know anything about it? And I was like, no, I don't. And he was telling me a little bit about it. Well, make a long story short, he ended up, you know, going through it, but then it's like, I'm not, I'm not ready to leave Notre Dame, and, you go, and he's like, you should, you should get involved in this thing, I was like, wait, everybody called him Red, I was like, Red, I don't, I don't know anybody there, they don't know who I am, I mean, and, and plus, I was at Oral Roberts, I had a great job working for Rob Walton, and um, he's like, well, I'm gonna, they, asked me to give them some names of some people if you know if i uh, people i thought would be good so he called the person we the search who his name's bob grant who's now the athletic director at wright state and bob's like you know we're, we we kind of have our candidates set we're a little bit down the road here but since he's a friend of yours he's like have him call me so i was like all right i called him and we talked had a good talk and he's like can you do a phone interview tomorrow i said sure so I did a phone interview the next day and it was, and I, it, it went really, really well. Um, he's like, well, let me talk to our AD. Because At the time he wasn't the AD. Um, and he called me back later that night. This is a true story. He called me back later that night and just said, Hey, Rob, like I really enjoyed getting to know you. I wish we'd gotten this thing going earlier. He's like, my AD kind of feels like we've, we've got too many guys. We're too far down the road. And you know, he's like, but, you, you, you know, you never know how this stuff works, you know. And I said, hey, Bob, no problem, because I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm good. I appreciate it. i enjoy enjoyed the conversation. That was it. Two weeks later, um, I just saw I dropped my wife and kids off at the airport because they were going to fly out to California to see my family. And I, was, I had to stay and recruit. I'm going through a Chick-fil-A drive through and I get a call from Bob Grant saying, hey, you remember when I said... never know how this and he just said I can't get that phone call out of my mind and that like literally like when that's how it happened and you know I'm blessed that did because I we had a great experience at Wright State and and, um coached some unbelievable kids but you know kind of again to go back to your question yeah it's something I've always wanted to do um I, I I love being up to and I'm not perfect. I mean, I love being able to try to make a positive impact on young people like my coaches did for me. Um, but uh, again, if I could go back, I would kind of tell myself to chill out a little bit, you know, and just enjoy where you're at at that moment. And, uh, and I did, but I, I could have done a better job. of it.
0: Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely see how that could, how that can sneak up on you. Cause you think about, I mean, everybody wants to be a head coach, you know, and you have to go through that, that process and, you know, having been, at different division one school and all that like I know at Oral Roberts that year you guys won like 50 games you were yeah really
1: good we were and- really good and the guys we had were were great kids and hard. I mean they were hard no they weren't afraid of anybody I mean I, and Rob Walton can really really coach Ryan Fulmer who's the head coach there was an unbelievable coach but like one of the greatest weeks I've ever experienced in college baseball was at Oral Roberts we we went to um, Wichita State, and they were they were really good. They were ranked in the top 20 at the time. They had just come off a weekend series where they took two out of three from I think Long Beach at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went in there and beat them at their place. And, then we, and that's not an easy drive from there to Tulsa. We got back to Tulsa. We had to get up early the next morning. We flew out to Arizona State, and they were really good. Thir- and I think they were in first place in the pack. Yes. They had the shortstop by the name of Dustin Pedroya who was, you know, obviously yeah. had a decent future. And um, we took two out of three from them. Like they don't even know where we're from, but we take two out of three from them. We get back late Monday night and we have to go to Arkansas on Tuesday who had just come off of their rank and they come off of, um, you know, taking two out of three from somebody and we beat them in, in extra innings. And it, you know, it's just, that's, but like, to the, those, that team, like those guys weren't phased by any of it. It was like, oh yeah. And I mean, you know, it was a walk in the park and, and it was something I'll, 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 take to my grave, those, those experiences with those guys.
0: That's incredible. I mean, first of all, whoever scheduled that week, uh, you know, it could have been, <laughs> yeah. it could have gone very differently. Yes. <laughs> but, but what, I mean, how cool is that to be able to look at, look back on that, you know, yeah. I think it's funny because I think right now it's a weird, like it's a weird time in baseball and a lot mm-hmm. of different areas, I think. And, you know, I see a lot of guys really trying to push themselves into positions to be, you know, full-time division one coaches or head coaches or getting into pro ball and maybe, you know, skipping out on getting some, some of that experience and going through the good and the bad and like the ups and downs and and knowing how you're going to handle those bad times. Cause they're not always going to be good. Like you're going to have weeks where things aren't going so well. And, um, I think rushing that process could definitely be detrimental for guys, even if they do get in, you know, and having, having skipped that process.
1: Well, and, and I'll hundred percent agree with that, but I would also even tell you that, you know, when people ask me, what's, what's the best advice you can give me, like guys that get jobs that they call me and say, have first time head coach, what, what advice would you give me? And, and I tell them, I'm like, everything that you know, be true that you believe in as a coach you're going to doubt at some point this year because you know the wins and losses go by your last name you know all the stuff comes across your desk you know all the issues all the problems um um so you you're going to doubt it like you're going to be like i know this works i've seen it work i know it but you're going to doubt it and you know, you just got to stick with it. I think, you know, you got, if you believe in your process and you're treating the kids right and you are, you know, c- committed to getting them better and doing it for the right reasons, then the process is going to reward you. It's going to play out, you know, and, and look, I'll be the first one to say, I mean, if you look at, you know, take last year out of it, cause we were off to a really good start, but the three previous years, we haven't been very good here. And, um, you know, I, I definitely made some mistakes and, and, it's definitely been some things I've had to kind of step back and, and, and not even go, okay, I can't do that anymore. It was more of, you know, I really need to get back to what I'm doing. You know, I mean, going from right state to here, you know, I got, I got away from some of the things that I really believed in because I felt like where we're at, we could do that. And, you know, when you do that, you're not being authentic to yourself. And if you're not authentic to yourself, well, your players are going to see right through that. So You know, I I think that we all love to talk to coaches when things are going great, but you know, you know, for for you know, what do you do when you're you're not? It seems like you're trying everything you've tried in the past. It's not working. Well, again, I I trust me, I know this firsthand. For me, it's reevaluate it. If you believe in what you're doing, if you know you're doing it for the right reasons, you know you're treating the kids right. Then you got to double process. Can't abandon it.
0: How, how hard is that? Like b- having been an assistant for, you know, 11 years and, and been around really good coaches and, and coached with really good coaches also, not just the head guys that you were, that you're you know, working with, but the other coaches that you're around, like, how hard is that? And what is day one? Like, like you finally get that division one job, you know, I have to imagine it's hard walking in there. You've got your first meeting with your team and it's like, okay, now I'm going to be like this, you know, big mixture of everybody I've ever been around, or how do you fix up and, and just try and be you? when you, when you I
1: finally think, get that job? So, so first of all, it's like drinking water through a fire hose a little here. <laughs> you're, you're definitely trying to make sure that you're, you're not missing something, but you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me um, was, I just tried to really be myself. And, and, and again, that's why I say, I think I got away from being that when I got here, you know, and just felt like it would translate over. But um, now even though I was like that, like that first team meeting with your guys, like you dream about that first speech though. So your entire time growing, up, coming up as a coach, but then the then the work really kicks in after that. I mean, you know, you're still undefeated. You know, you're you have you know, and so then after that, it's, that's when the work starts kicking in. And and now that doesn't mean that again you you doubt what you do a, t- a lot. And you know, I think probably. Uh, One of the things that really the most significant moments that really kind of stuck sticks with me is, so it's my, it's our second year at Wright State. So Greg Lovelady, the head coach of Central Florida was my assistant all my entire time there. And then when I left, he took the program over and took it to even higher heights. And then he left and now Jeff Mercer who played for us was the head coach. Now he's the head coach in Indiana and beats up on his, his old coach, you know, when we play him, but, but I'll never forget. So in our second, our first year, we were seven and one in conference to start the conference. And we had just taken three out of four from UIC who had been the bully on the block. And, and I remember saying to the team, Hey, like this I can't can't remember exactly. I think I might've said something to the effect of, I'm really proud of you. This is the last time that Wright State baseball is under 500, you know, and we lost the next 10 games in a row. And, and at the time, I'm just like, but, but what I was like, what's going on here? But then when I really look back on it, they, they weren't ready to handle, you know, it's one thing when you're not winning, nobody expects anything from you. Don't expect anything from yourself, you know? And, and so, you know, if you win a game, great. If you lose a game, whatever. Um, but then when you start winning, as you, as we all know, there's expectations of you. And then how do you handle those things? And they weren't ready. And, and, and I completely missed that, you know, and, but what really sticks out to me is so, but, but one thing I will say is I felt like coach Lovelady and myself we 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 really kept coaching them from a standard standpoint that first year as though we had a chance to win a championship that year now we weren't ready and we didn't but the next year we stayed with it we stayed with it and we won our conference tournament and I'm I'm convinced that because we because as coaches we didn't come in and go all right well we're gonna wait until we have our guys to coach them like we started coaching them at a at the standard right away, that it, it it allowed those guys to start believing we got hot in the conference tournament, and we won it, and that was kind of the takeoff point. But I'll, where it really kind of um, kind of a, a, a light bulb m- moment for me, I guess, was we're in the in the regional, we're in Corvallis. This is the first year that Oregon State wins the College World Series. Pat Casey's in the other dugout. One of the best guys in our game, and, and smart, and built that program. And but it's a it's a tie game. I mean, we're actually at, we're actually up. We're actually up by a run in like the eighth inning. And Joe Smith, who's pitching the big leagues now for thirteen years, is pitching for us. And he, um, in the inning before, one of our guys hits a ball that um, uh, Jacoby Aylesbury brings back in the ballpark. And then it's a – they have a runner at second, third, bottom of the eighth, two outs, we're up by a run. And, you know, on video it looks like he punches them out, you know, but we're not the home team. They call it a ball. And the next one, uh, Darwin Barney just flips the ball over the, the uh, second baseman said they, they get the go-ahead go run. They hold us in the ninth. But I remember in like the seventh inning of that game, looking over, I made sure to take a moment and just go, all right, enjoy the fact that you're here. Right. And I remember looking over at case coach Casey and I want to make sure I'm very clear in saying this, I am nowhere close to being in his league, but I remember going, you know, my team's, our team's going toe to toe with his team. I can do this. Just be yourself, you know? And, and when I, when I start doubting myself, I try to go back to that moment.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge, man. That, I think like everyone's kind of I don't know if everyone's had that moment. I mean, I think if you if you have, it's such a good moment to go back to. We did it when we were at New Mexico and we had we we, we got we lost like a thirty three to eight game against Dallas Baptist. And then we went at home during the season that we beat him during the regional. And then we got Texas Tech at home, which is not a fun place to play. No. And and we had them, we're beating them. We're up a run in the ninth and, or in the bottom of the eighth or whatever it was. And, you know, end up losing a tight game by, I think a run. And it's kind of that moment where you're like, man, we can do, we we can hang, like we're okay. Mm -hmm. And they got dudes, like those guys, they have real dudes, you know, they got, they're throwing out these monsters that we're not, we, we weren't close to that, but we had guys that could play. And I, I have to imagine as a head coach, that moment of that clarity going, Hey, like we're, we're doing okay. Like that's a good, a good thing to be able to go back to.
1: Yeah. And you, you know, what's even when you're saying that is, is the thing like the first thing that comes to my mind is my my first year at Wright state. And I had made the decision when I got the job there, knowing that the horizon league was a one bid league. And the only way we were going to get the tournament is if we won our own tournament. So my administration was fine with us scheduling, you know, big time programs and playing them and getting bloodied up and competing and learning. And so when I get the job, we have an open weekend and Arizona State has an open weekend. And so we go out there and now you got to, again, you gotta understand that, you know, Greg Lovelady won two national titles as a player at Miami and coached at Miami, he used to go in the world series, used to play in big programs, same thing with myself. And so we go out there and we get, we, we land in, in Tempe, we take the guys to get some lunch, we go to check into the hotel and, I put my stuff in my room and my mom and my sister were going to be flying in later from Sacramento and they were going to stay at our hotel. And all I wanted to do, I was going to the front desk just to make sure, Hey, uh, is there a room set? I can grab the keys from them. So I walk out and I go by the, the pool outside and our entire team shirts off swimsuits in the pool. And I remember seeing love and love going. And I'm like, I, I want, I want this to play out, but let this play out. Now, I don't know why I thought that. I mean, I'm burning up inside, but I'm like, well, I'm going to let this play out. So we have practice that night. We head over and I put my, I get in the dugout. I put my stuff in the dugout and I pin up the practice schedule and I turn around and like almost every single one of our guys is video videoing the yard, taking pictures by the numbers retired of the big leaguers. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And we get absolutely destroyed the next day. I mean, it's not even competitive. It's men versus boys. You know, talk to them a little bit about it. The next day, it's even worse. And it, 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 it's got to it, it got to a point where like one of our kids was like, almost in awe kind of giggling and that I didn't, didn't sit well with me. And so after the game, you know, I can remember distinctly and I didn't say it this calmly, but I remember us talking about, listen, guys, this, this isn't a vacation. Like we didn't come out here for you to sit by the pool, take pictures. Like you guys all came in here and took pictures of retired numbers and, and all this kind of stuff. Like I know they're good, but like, you know, the greats of, of, you know, um, of Arizona state, like Barry Bonds, isn't playing against us today, you know, and, and so that was kind of the, the, you know, the, the wake up a little bit. And then the next year, you know, we finish out the year, we get a little bit better, but the next year we go to TCU and they're ranked and, and we beat them in the first game. And that was kind of the, and then later that year, we beat Notre Dame when they were ranked and, and then we got in the regional and then, you know, after that, we we broke through. with We beat Virginia when they ranked number one, and Georgia when they ranked number one, and and now when you play Wright State, like they don't care; they they're not afraid to play. But you know, it took time. It took wow. time. So
0: the so you were you were there for nine years? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I went to three three regionals. Yep. No. Yep. So you know, I remember my my first year playing played at the University of Nevada, and my freshman year we went to a regional, went to Stanford we're good, you know, and they'd been the year before. Mm-hmm. I think they'd gone like four out of the last six years or something. And, you know, I'm thinking at the time as a freshman, like, this is cool. I like this. We should do this more often. <laughs> and, and and we never, and we never went back. And that was in 2000. And that was the last time Nevada has gone to a regional. And then you know, I got a chance in 14 when I was at UNLV. And then I think 16 when I was at New Mexico. And I think it's something that you know, you see it on TV and it looks cool and everything. But like you said, there's a lot of leagues the the mountain West, the horizon league that are going to be one bid leagues that are not as easy as, you know, it's not as easy as it would appear to, to be, to get into the postseason. I mean, you've been to Omaha too, right? With Miami. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's, what is that lie? I mean, getting that postseason, how does that help like with the team, you know, the, the returners the next year and then like your experience in Omaha. So
1: before, before I talk about like Omaha, I mean, you know, some of the, the things I'm I'm most proud of watching a team do because I'm I don't do it, but as you know, one bid leagues you could you can be hands down the best team in the. I mean, down not even close. But that's the beautiful thing about our sport. You know, you another team gets hot, you play bad for a couple, you know, one weekend, and your season ends right. And so to to see our guys stay focused, stay, you know, really buy into the mental game and, and things like that uh, was something i always took a lot of pride in watching them do it. I was in awe of them, you know, cause that's not easy when you, when people are, are shooting for you and, and everything, but, um, but I'll never forget, man. I mean, going to Miami, you know, it was, you know, we, we, it's Jim Morris's first year there. We, we, we beat um, we beat Florida to go to the college world series and and i just remember i remember we were on the bus we're on the bus and we were heading from the hotel to to rosenblatt to to practice and rosenblatt used to be up on this hill and i remember coming around the corner and you look up and on the hill there's the and the, the bus went silent i mean it just went silent and it like i get chills thinking about it it's like you know you're you're watching it on TV all the time, and then boom, there it is. And it was an unbelievable experience, and I was lucky enough to go twice. And um, I I loved it so much that I have, I have not been back. I, I told myself that as long as I'm coaching, I won't go unless I'm lucky enough to go again with a team. Um, now, what's what's really kind of cool about it is. So when, when my wife and I first got married and we moved to Sacramento and I'm coaching in Sac City, she worked for the Pac-10 at the time, it was the Pac-10. And she over was the baseball liaison and champion. And so like, like to this day, man, if I talk to Pat Casey or I talk to Dave Esker, or I talk to you know any of those guys that were in the pack back then, they all are like, how's Mo, that's my wife's, everybody calls him Mo, how's Mo, they don't care about me, I mean, Gillespie, you've, you know, rest of his soul, I would talk to him, he'd always be like, you guys got to come out here and play, but you better bring them up, you know, like that's just, you know, so, and she, when, when she um, uh, oversaw uh, the baseball, you know, I want to say Stanford, and maybe it was Cal, I can't remember, but anyway, she went, she's like, yeah, this is unbelievable, you know, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a special deal, and, and you know, I think, and I, it's part of the reason why, you know, I, so full disclosure, you know, my, my dad grew up in New England, so I'm a Red Sox, Patriots, you know, um, Celtics, Bruins guy. And, and But part of the reason why I'm a big fan of the Patriots is, is because of like, – to, to, to go to the Super Bowl as many times as they did to then win it. Like, it's, like, it's hard enough to win a championship at any level they don't just hand them out and then to do what they did or to do what the Spurs did or to do what Brady's done or do it, do what the Dodgers have done the last three years. Like, you know, it's, cr- t- it's crazy to me that all of a sudden now everybody's like, Oh yeah, Dave Roberts is a great manager. Dave Roberts was a good man. He was a great manager prior to, yeah. okay? I mean, and, and anybody that's around him for five minutes knows that, you know, but it's not easy. And so to be able to experience those kind of things, and I think this is important as a coach is that it's because you have really good players and it's because they buy in and they make the choice and they make the sacrifice. And it's your job to, to help them see that. Uh, but I think that, you know, I, I think that there's some coaches out there that get carried away with their importance and it's not, it's the players. We all know that. Yeah. And it's- Mookie, Mookie Betts makes Dave Roberts look a lot better. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Roberts will be the first one to tell you that.
0: You know, it, it's so funny. I never forget. We were, uh, it was at a convention. We're talking with Ed chef Yeah. And, you know, man, Lewis and Clark, I mean, those guys were, they were, they were so good. Yes. And, you know, we were talking to him about, about hitting. And we're just sitting around chatting with him. And, and uh, the head coach, Kent Medall, our uh, yeah. head coach at Urban Valley, he says, you know, he's like, Coach, what, what do you, what do you guys do, man? Like, you guys are so good with hitters. Like, what do you do? And he just looks him dead straight in the face. He goes, Recruit good hitters. Yeah, yeah, man. Like we do, we give ourselves a lot of credit, and I I think it's like, man, those guys are the ones out there doing the work, and and they're putting in the the work, dealing with the ups and downs, and like those guys are ones that deserve the credit,
1: you know. So, Tony, we 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 had this joke when I was at Wright State and Joe Smith was pitching for us, and again, you know, the guy's been in the so. This is a great story. I tell this story all the time because it's just so cool. I mean, you know, Joe, in high school, Joe had to have labrum surgery. So he was a really good basketball player. He thought he was going to play basketball at some D2 schools and stuff. and But everything kind of fell apart and baseball coaches stopped recruiting him and he had a buddy that was going to Wright State. And so he kind of talked to Coach Nischwitz at the time. This is the coach before me. And Coach Nischwitz is like, oh yeah, this is before they had roster wins. Yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll let you try out. Well, his arm wasn't ready yet. And they cut him, you know? And, and so then the, the, the next year, sorry, I got my, my, my dog. My dog is, is barking, I apologize. But so the, the next year, he goes back out and makes the team and, he, he actually, if you look at the stat sheet the year before I got there, like he was the only one with a sub three ERA And but he was an over the top righty, you know, six, one, um, you know, at the time, 84 to 86. And, but he could pitch like he was smart. He was competitive. Um, he could spin a breaking ball. And so, you know, I just remember we're going along in the fall and, and you know, Love and I both being at Miami, we had you know, we had a uh, sidearm closers. We had Jay Tesmer who pitched in the big leagues. That was a sidearm. And, and love said, Hey man, what would you think about us? Just seeing if some drop, trying to drop some guys down and see what they're doing. I was like, yeah, we got to, you know, cause we had, you know, we had some guys that just probably weren't going to pitch a whole lot. So if a guy could give us an inning down there, great, let's try it. Well, Joe is the type of kid. Well, not man now, but he's the type of guy that if you said Joe, you couldn't be a defensive back and, and cover those guys in the NFL. He'd be like, yeah, I can. And, and not like, like, like he would seriously believe it. Like, and he's a freak athlete. Like he could dunk two handed, but at the time, his body looked like mine, (laughs) you know, he didn't work as hard as he possibly could. Um, And anyway, I, I just, but I, but I remember we're, loves working with guys down a bullpen dropping them down and I guess Joe walks up and Joe says I can do that and Love's like what well, I, I don't care like he's like you're you're not a guy we're gonna have to do it and he gets up there just messing around and all of a sudden Love comes running down he's like Coop you gotta come see this go down there and I mean it's crazy I mean and, and again it's probably 82 to 84 but I was like hey man if you were going to throw a slider, like what would it look like? And he throws his frisbee slider and all of a sudden, like all of a sudden he's like, like realizing that we're going to ask him to do this. And he puts the ball down and he's like, I'm not doing that. Like he was just screwing around. And I mean, I had, had a meeting with him and his dad where I was like, listen, I said, just give me an honest effort of this. He's like, I'm never going to get drafted doing that. I said, Joe, you're 85 miles an hour, six one. You're not going to get drafted doing that. Give me an honest effort with this. You have a chance to be a difference maker. If at the end of this year, it doesn't work. We'll, we'll pitch it. Sure enough, he does it. And we, that Arizona state trip, I was telling you about, we got him in, in the eighth inning on that Saturday game, we were getting blown out, but we got him in, in the game. And he was really good. And I remember Pat Murphy after the game going, Hey man, wait, how many, this is back when you could have transfers. And, And I've known Murph for a while. Murph goes, what do you got on that guy? And I'm like, kind of explaining, he's like, well, I need to find you another job so I can steal him from right State. And I was like, yeah, he's good. You know, whatever. Well, then the next day we show up to a ballpark and there's a scout there and he's like, Hey, what do you got on Smith? And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. And he's like, coach, that's the best one, one inning guy I've seen this side of the Rockies all year. And I was like, you mind me asking what were you like, what was he on the gun? And he's like, he didn't throw a pitch under 91. And that's down, down low. Right. And he, yeah tell he'd been getting better anyway because it's so late they couldn't get cross checkers in he doesn't get drafted so he comes back and is has an unbelievable year his era is like a 0.68 um and he gets drafted in like the 96 pick overall by the Mets and literally when he made so he signs 12 12 months or I take it back 10 months later, but he, he makes the big league team out of spring training. And he's like, he calls love and I He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm breaking camp with the team. We're going to St. Louis. So we drive to St. Louis. So, and we looked it up on the calendar 12 months prior, he was pitching against Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And and that night he pitched, he came in, in the game, the Cardinals had done their ring ceremony because they had won the world series and he faced Paul holes. Eckstein and Preston Wilson and you're just like but you know that's the kind of stuff that that is is really really cool and and now you know I always give him a hard time because you know he you know he's got 13 13 years in the big leagues and you know he's he's doing great and I always say yeah remember when you didn't want to trust us and go down there and I know I know but you know but here's the thing about him he's so competitive and and everything that he probably would have made it to the big leagues up here once he got healthy and everything. But incredible, it really is. It's cool, but that's yeah, that's what's cool about our game.
0: Yeah, I think those kind of stories. I mean, those are those are priceless. I mean, like the, there's a lot of good things. There's you know, there's your uh, your your good stories, your feel good stories, your bad stories. You know, the guys that didn't quite pan out, but it's always cool seeing a guy that's gonna. trust in the process and trust in trying something new and like putting his trust in you and, and, uh, and it working out for him. I mean, that's, that's so cool.
1: Yeah.
0: So, okay. So things are going well at Wright state, Penn state comes up, you get an opportunity to go there. And, and I mean, again, I have to imagine, you know, you left a program that hadn't had a lot of success before you got there. And then you guys are in three regionals and, and then you go to Penn state and you've got some, you know, rebuilding more or less to do. Um, you know, what is that transition like going from like that mid-major in the Horizon League to now you're in a, a power five and there's gonna be some resources. Sure. And now you take that that high school kid to a, uh, a Saturday night whiteout game at Happy Valley. And that's uh, that's probably a little bit different feel.
1: Yeah, I tell you what, man, there's a I'm a, a lot better recruiter here than I was at Rice. <laughs> I I mean, but you know, it. it so a couple things. One, you know, I really in my wife and I, my kids and I we loved Wright State. We were happy in Dayton. My kids had grown up there basically because when we moved there from Oral Roberts, my oldest son was was three, my youngest son was one. Um, my wife was the senior associate athletic director when we left Wright State, so we were happy. And I had been offered some jobs. I've been offered some jobs in California that would have brought me closer to my family, and it just they weren't right. Like it what like they were good places, but they just didn't have everything. It did for me. It was like and my wife because my wife's big. Is you know when I when I say like you know we coached here we were there it's that's what I how I look at it I mean she's she's uh, you know she's the reason why I'm able to do things the way I do it and she's also the daughter of a of a college and NFL football coach and and so she's been in college athletics her whole life and she I. I I mean, she's the smartest person I've ever met. I mean, but and she's also brutally honest. Like, I'll never forget. We're on the bus coming back. We just lost to Miami, Ohio. We hadn't been playing well. And we're on the bus, and I call her, and I'm like, she goes, Yeah, tough one, you know? And, and I was like, Yeah. She, I was like, I can't get these guys going. I don't know what I'm doing. And she goes, You'll figure it out. I'm like, I hope so. And she, goes, she goes. Hope isn't a is not a fucking game plan. Just figure it out. You'll be fine. Like, and and but the thing about it was is she was right. Like I was feeling sorry for myself, you know. And and um, but anyway, so when Penn State came along, you know, it was we were looking at it. We we're like, you know, I wanted to be somewhere where the university and the and the athletic department believe in the student athlete. You know, I can't over recruit. You know, I mean we're not a place where I can sign 20 guys and then tell them, you know, two days before school, Hey, sorry, we don't have your money. And I, and I, that's important to me. I, it doesn't make me better than anybody else. I'm not a higher moral person than anybody else. It's just that, again, I go back to, if I had had coaches that just cared about my production, I I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Like I wouldn't get the opportunity. So if we make a commitment to somebody, I want to be able to fulfill it. So, Penn State, you know, the Big Ten, we can't over-recruit. Um, we can't take a guy's scholarship away. Um, and then I do believe that in this conference, and Michigan proved it, and Indiana's done well, that if you recruit the right kids and we've got great facilities, we're only making them better, that, that we can be a, a nationally prominent program and, and do it right. And then, you know, my wife and I also looked at each other and said, and this is at a time where I didn't know if our, boy, our boys would be good enough to play at this level. My oldest is on our team now, my youngest will be on it next year but we're like they're gonna get Penn State degrees. you know so there, there were so many things that went into it. Now, when I said to you earlier, um, you know that I made some mistakes. so when, when I got here, um, you know everything you just said, I mean there were programs and coaches that wouldn't give me the time of day at Wright State. now all of a sudden they're calling and hey, we got guys for you and this and that and, because we hit the ground running recruiting and we're, you know, kind of generating a buzz. And yeah, guess what? When you bring them into a house of 107,000 fans going nuts, like it's pretty easy to recruit that way. Plus you're offering a world-class education, you know? And, and so, you know, you're talking about 700,000 living alums. So when these, like, Tony, every single one of my seniors usually has a job lined up at this time of year before they graduate in June like they have it right in their number one choice. So there's a lot of good things where, and this is where I made a huge mistake. So look, this isn't uh, um, anything earth shattering, culture and toughness win anywhere. Whether you're at a California JUCO, whether you're at New Mexico, Penn State, Wright State, Miami, toughness and culture win everywhere. And where I made a mistake was because of the buzz we were getting, we were getting guys that were ranked, you know, we were, and we were getting guys that we would never have been in the door with at Wright State. And I, you know, we took some of those guys and, and kind of overlooked some of the other things. And, and, and one of the biggest things that I learned is all those things about Penn State that make it so awesome to recruit to, you better make sure you're getting a kid that really loves to play and wants to be a part of something really, really special, because if that kid's struggling or that kid is not doing well, oh, well, like I'm still playing D one baseball. I am going to, you know, I'm getting a world-class education. I'm going to be set up with a job after I graduate. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to the best football games in the country. Mm -hmm. So, it's very easy for them to just kind of settle and not push themselves and again that's everywhere that's not just but that's the biggest mistake I met I, I made and it's taken us a while to get the culture back and that's why you know last year we' were in a really good spot with some really good figuring it out and and you know obviously for multiple multitude of reasons losing the season last year you know stunk for everybody but uh, I like where we're at right now with the culture and so, while I wish I could have pushed a fast forward button to speed it up, and it's taken longer than I had hoped, I believe in what we're doing. Got to stay with it.
0: That's awesome, man! I love that. It's I, it's it's so true. I mean, it's gonna win. Culture wins. Toughness yeah. wins. You can't be soft. You can't have a weak culture. You can't have weak people within the culture that don't contribute to the culture because then it doesn't it doesn't roll. It doesn't it doesn't work. But
1: and 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 the, and the other thing, Tony, I'll t- I'll say is that again, you got to be authentic to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. When I first got here, I tried to be more of a CEO coach. I mean, I had great, I have good assistants. Like, so it was not that I didn't want to give them stuff, but like I got into coach to coach, you know, I got into coaching to coach and, and, and I liked doing that. And I got away from that a little bit. And now I'm able to, I'm back in there doing more. Um, and I'm still letting my assistant coaches coach and giving them stuff to do. I mean, that, that was one thing, all those guys you mentioned that I got to work with, they, they basically like, I remember Rick Jones, Saying to me, "Hey, listen. Here's the deal. You're the head coach of the hitters, and you're the head coach of the infielders. Okay, we better hit, and we better play. Defense. That's fine. That's all I needed to know. But so, you know, I again, I, I got away from what was authentic to me and my style of coaching.
0: It's uh, you said a couple of interesting things that we could probably talk about forever, and you know, that's it'll, it'll go down a different path. But you know, like the 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 uniform change is a big deal. You go from right state." <laughs> And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're at Penn State and you're getting some different, different types of phone calls about different types of kids. And I've seen it with guys that have moved on from mid-majors into pro ball. And, you know, they may be new. And but that, that uniform change on your, uh, your Twitter profile tends to uh, give a little bit different credibility. Yeah. And, and it may not even necessarily be warranted in the sense that, like, you're no better than you were before. It's a different, uh, different opportunity. Um, And then the scholarship thing, I mean, I think it's really interesting about with the early commits right now, and I'm sure it's difficult from a recruiting perspective with how early these kids are being recruited. It's um, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a challenge. I I have to imagine.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the things about our game right now. I do not like at all. Um, And while we will still get involved with some kids that are younger we are really pulling back. I mean, for us to really get involved with a, young, a, a guy that is, is, you know, say finishing his freshman year and is, you know, hasn't begun a sophomore year. We have to really know the family. We have to have a really good connection. We have to really feel good that this kid is, is going to continue to get better. Um, because I think that's also where we made some mistakes. Sure. Um and, and I go back to this, you know, I, we, we had a conversation about this is uh, with our coaching staff because, and what really opened my eyes to it is, is, um, so I've been fortunate over the last four years, you know, my boys were in the heart of the, of the, of that, the tournaments that we had to recruit at. So I would follow them around and not kill two birds with one stone. Well, now I remember following my youngest son around and, you know, most of the kids, because my son is, is really young. Uh, for his grade and so he's playing with guys that you know are, are were just finishing their freshman year and i'm watching these kids and I'm, all these kids are committing and and i just i remember coming back and just going to my staff and say hey again look and unless we've got a great connection unless we really feel strong unless we really get the family i said i'm done having us follow 14 year olds around i said i'm done now there's other programs that are all in on that and There's nothing wrong with that. That's their choice. But what I, my point to our staff was, is, you know, I I sit here and I look at, I go back and I think of some of the best players I've ever coached. You know, one of the best players we ever coached at Wright state was a kid named Garrett gray who graduated from, from high school and three weeks later still had nowhere to go. And I watched Mm -hmm. him play in a tournament and he became a four year starter, like right out of high school you know, I, I look at, you know, guys that were like that, you know, at Wright State. I looked I looked at some of the kids that we added late um, here that have been good players. And, and so finally, I just told my staff, I said, listen, here are a couple things. One, I think we'll have a better feel for who they are as a person individually. You know, they've actually driven a car. They've actually gone on, hopefully, you know, they've done some, some stuff. Two, we have a better idea of who they are physically rather than, you know, two years prior. And the other, the other thing too, is, is, you know, like we have, we have a kid on our team that finishes junior year. I went, we went and saw him play and this kid a good player. Like he kind of reminds me of uh, Paul O'Neill as a hitter and he's, he's up to 87 off the mound as a lefty and he just bloomed later. Everybody develops later than I mean, times. Right. And so, you know, we offered him, and it's, and so going back to, instead of having to offer him, 50 60 percent as a freshman we offered him what we thought was fair he was pumped you know and so we're kind of going back to the old school way of doing it we're going to miss some guys because of it but we're going to get some guys because of it.
0: yeah i I think we could probably talk about the recruiting stuff forever i don't want to go down that rabbit hole uh, i
1: would would probably i would probably need an
0: entire bottle of whiskey for Uh that I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot right now, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. But um, I do want to ask. So, so team USA, you mentioned your coaching since with team USA uh, 2007 with Mike Weathers, right? Mike Weathers has been unbelievably kind to me back uh, when I knew him back in God, it's been probably 10 years since I've seen him, but he was always really great to me. Really enjoyed getting to know coach Weathers Um, on 709 Brazil, Netherlands, um, I mean, some cool, cool places. Uh, you mentioned when we t- talked before about you know you taking your team uh, at school to Cuba, and then yes. you've got another upcoming trip. Would you talk a little bit about your your Team USA experience and sure. some of those other trips for school?
1: Well, so to, to, I'm glad you brought up Mike Weathers because I I, I think this is a cool story and, and something that a lot of people can coaches can learn from. So. My introduction to Mike Weathers was through Dave Snow. So, you know, Dave Snow recruited Sax City. He was staying with Jerry Weinstein. He was coming over, and an assistant coach was living at Jerry's house. And it was like six in the morning. We were Jerry was notorious for we're practicing at you know 7:30 in the morning, right? You know, get up early and blah blah blah. So this assistant coach, Dan Go Martin, is leaving the house and snowman and, and, and J-Dub are drinking coffee and snowman goes, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to hit poop ground balls. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to hit him ground balls. He wants early work. And so like that blew snow away. Like you got a kid that's getting up at 6am before, you know, an eight hour practice day, basically. And, and that's just how Andy McKay, myself and all of us were, it wasn't just me, I, I'll never forget that you know snowman really liked that and he liked how i played as far as energy and hustle i was again i wasn't a good player um but i i think i had a little bit of that dirt bag in in me you know that he, that they were building um fast forward um to 1990 you know uh 92 well in 1992 jerry's an assistant coach on the usa team with ron frazier and dave snow and i had asked Jerry, i was like hey if I pay my own way, can I come out and watch what you guys do and hang out? So I went out to Millington, Tennessee for like a week and just hung out. And so Jerry let me go wherever. And at the same time, Ron Frazier had stepped down from Miami and I'm all set to go to Miami, but we didn't know at the time that Brad Kelly was going to be the coach. And so there was, Hey, maybe this isn't going to work out for me depending on who becomes the coach. And Dave Snow said, Hey, don't you come be a dirt bag? Come, come be here. Like I, I want you here. And, and I was, and, and so we always kept in touch. Well, then when I was at Tulane, we went out and played Long Beach and I was the hitting coach and we had a great weekend. Like we really swung the basketball. We had a great group of guys that really bought in. And they could really hit and they were super competitive and, you know, it was Sunday getaway day and our guys are showering and I'm, I, it, as they're coming out of the locker room outside, I'm handing them their box lunch to get on the bus and and Mike Weathers comes up and we're talking and he's like, what do you do with your hitters? He's like, I've never seen a team adjust from pitch to pitch, game to game, like your guys do. And I said, well, Mike, this is a really good, good group. I mean, they, they slow the game down. They do this. I said, but he goes, well, do you do anything? I said, well, we do this one drill. And it's just the, you know, We get about the same distance you do when you do front toss, but we bounce tennis balls and I vary up the speed of it, the height that forces them to hold their ground, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, can you show it to me? So we went in the cages and I showed it to him. So they, he started doing it. Well, they ended up getting hot and going to the world series that year. And it's just funny. Like every time we would ever see each other after that, he'd always be like, I'm still doing the tennis ball. I'm still doing the tennis ball. And then when I was coaching at Sac city, and I know this is a long answer, and it's but it's it's just a it's a Mike Weathers deal, man. He's just the best. And so, you know, he he becomes the head coach. Dave Snow steps aside, he becomes the head coach. And, you know, I call him up and I said, Listen, you probably have a million guys in mind, but if you have any interest, I'd love to interview you for the job for your assistant job. He said, Seriously? I said, Yeah. And so he brought me down. Well, and he's like, look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I kind of have already somebody in mind, but yeah, let's let's at least do this, you know? And so we do it and go through the process and get done. And he calls me up and he's like, man, this is really tough. He's like, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I had this thing all planned out. I'm hiring a guy that played for me that I know, but you really made me stop and reconsider that. And I was, and he's like, so I hope, you know, we'll still be friends. I said, I call him Skip and I'm like, Skip you and I are always going to be close. You know, you treated me right. You were honest, blah, 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 So I say that to you because then come in 07, he becomes the head coach and he gets to say who he wants as his assistants for the USA team. And, and he, you know, asks for me to be one of them. Well, you know, I, I and I share that this story with coaches because you just, you never want to burn a bridge, man. Mm-hmm. I could have been a real immature guy and, you know, been like, Oh, screw you. But he was awesome. He was honest about it. It was a great experience for me. And then, so I I just wanted to say that because he's such, he's one of my, he's one of my mentors, man. I love that guy. Um, But yeah, man, the game of baseball, I I mean, I got to go to Cuba, you know, with, with, with Penn state, you know, we played against their, you know, the, their pro teams, the industrialities, the Yankees of Cuba, we played against them before, you know, the before Major League Baseball went back, we got to play. You guys were like the first team to be able
0: to go down there since the, I mean the, you know, negotiations or, or whatever it was, right? Or since yeah, the there was some, kind of there up?
1: there were a few, there was a couple teams that went down there, but but none of them got to play mm. the professional teams because so Penn State has an educational agreement with the Jose Marti Center down in Cuba, in Havana, and they've been sending academics up, so we went down on academic visas. You know, but, you know, I, I got, and, and look, you know, my dad was a military history professor, so I grew up in the Cold War. So like learning, learning about, you know, the Bay of Pigs and then playing in the Bay of the, the we played in the victory of the Bay of Pigs stadium uh, in Cuba, right? Like, That's cool. and, and, you know, and, and not only that, but I remember also, you know, I, I spent time in Miami and I, I played with teammates whose parents, you know, they fled that place, you know, and even people that go back, like I got to go back They're They're angry at them for doing it. And so I remember kind of having conversations with some of my former teammates, like, Hey, I'm getting ready to take my team. And luckily all of them were like, Hey, that's awesome. Do it, you know, but their parents might not have been like that. Their parents might've been like, you know, so, um, but then, you know, again, like I said, uh, you know, we go to Rio de Janeiro and, and, you know, we're in the Pan Am games and, You know, I'd always, you know, I, I I tell people this all the time, like I remember opening up baseball cards and I think it was 1985 and seeing Barry Larkin and Mark McGuire and and Billy Swift and ODB McDowell wearing their Will Clark wearing their USA jerseys from the 84 Olympics. And I was like, I want to do that, you know, and and being able to go through opening ceremonies like they do in the Olympics for the Pan games, you know, Um, I mean, I got, I visited Anne Frank's house. You know, I mean it because of the because of baseball. Like, come on! And then, you know, going to Japan and and but I got to meet John McCain because we were coming back from Rio de Janeiro. We lost in the gold medal game to Cuba. We flew from Rio to San Paulo, San Paulo to DC, had like a three hour layover there, and then flew to New Orleans, and we were getting on a bus to go to Mobile, Alabama, and. I got my bag and I went up to, I said, I told Mike Weathers, I said, hey, I'll go check to see if the bus is up there. And I go upstairs, I go up to, to the, where they pick people up. And I look up, there's John McCain. Like I was <laughs> like, you know, and, and anyway, so, you know, being able to do stuff like that. And then we're, tr- we're right now in the, in the midst of planning uh, a trip in, you know, not this summer, but the following summer. Where you know we're gonna take our team over to Europe and play in Normandy and and you know have our guys visit you know the beaches and do the World War II stuff and take them to Bastogne and and uh, you know Anne Frank's house and all that kind of, go visit a uh, uh, a concentration camp and and you know again like don't get me wrong like I want to win a lot more games and and. Mm-hmm. For a college world series, but to be able to use baseball to do stuff like that and help, you know, give these kids those experiences. Like it's, uh, it's cool. It's incredible. I mean, and it's so valuable. I mean, the only times I've ever
0: been out of the country has been for baseball. I and mean, right. I got to go right. the last, I got to go the last two years to Ireland and go work with their national team. Um, you know, that was, that's where, that's um, where you got your whiskey. That's where you got that taste for whiskey. I'm, I Lord. can't, uh, I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, but you know, awesome. and got, got yeah. you know,
0: went to play in uh, in Spain for Gary Adams, you know, who's just yeah. the nicest gentleman that has ever lived. And um, you know, 2009, I, you guys go, went and played in uh, was it British Columbia in 09? Yep, and lost to Germany. And I was in Germany in 2009 and they were throwing a party because <laughs> the, the German baseball team beat the United States, and they yeah. thought that that was like, like they were gonna be the up and coming country and then baseball's cut from the Olympics. And it just, like, it took a, it was a huge shot for those guys that they had to take for, you know, getting, getting baseball cut from the Olympics, because mm-hmm. then it was going to affect things from the club level all the way down. Right. Sure. And, and I think from that international experience though, like you don't really, until you get out and go, go see some stuff, like it's, it's a, it's a very educational opportunity that I think that's, that's so cool that you're doing for your guys.
1: Uh, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, selfishly, I want to do it too. You know, like yeah. it's, list for me to go to Normandy. And it was a bucket list for me to go to Cuba, you know, yeah, and, but, you know, I remember hearing stories about USA teams and, you know, them having to, you know, back really when the relations were really bad and, and having to land in the cover of darkness, you know, and, and, you know, the planes having to keep their, their window shades closed. So because mm-hmm. the Cuban government w- wouldn't allow them to see certain things. So you know, it's just—it's uh, humbling. It's really, really humbling.
0: That's cool. I, I hope I hope that you guys understand the opportunity that that's that's providing for them because that really is a, uh, a, a really a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, it's something really
1: special. Well, one one of the things that I thought was the coolest about and it was in the closest team and the best team that we've had prior to last year was that team at Penn State. And one of the reasons why I really feel like they became so close is is. You know, we go over to Cuba. We're there for a week. Well, you know, the American cell phones don't work over there. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to email, so they they had nothing shut like they, off, right? And so everything shut off, and it forced them to talk to each other. And what they would do, and it was cool, is there was an outdoor little garden patio area in at our hotel. So we would we would practice or play during the day. We would go sit in these academic lectures for forty five minutes, and then go see stuff and give the guys some free time to go and they'd all go buy cigars and they would all go down to that garden area and they would just sit there and smoke cigars and hang out bonded. And you know, like that's cool. That's
0: that's, that's, that's cool. Cause you don't get an opportunity to do that all the time. You know, you're not gonna be able to tell you guys, Hey, shut your cell phones off and chat. Cause that's so it's fake. It's not authentic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's awesome. I, I feel like we could uh, we could probably talk baseball night and, and uh, talk about some of the people that we've each come in contact with that have.
1: Had well, we a... just have we'll have to do it again,
0: man. You'll have to have yeah. Fun. So yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. So I do want to kind of get into uh, the, what you were showing me a little bit earlier that you were okay. drinking. Um, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a scotch. Not, I'm not against it, but I don't. I haven't dove in yet.
1: So that's okay. Thinking? So this is Balvini, and it's it's. Uh it's very, it's a very smooth, it's not as peaty, um, but it's a very smooth, there's like, you know, notes of, for me, notes of caramel, and and like kind of a butterscotch, um, but it's a, it's a very easy drink, it pairs really good with a cigar, um, you know, it's funny, I never drank whiskey or scotch until I met my wife's dad, and he got me involved in it, and, uh, and now it's, you know, I, I just, I enjoy it. You know, I I, I like being able to have a, a glass or two on the back porch with the fire on or, or, you know, Sundays after a home series, being able to just sit and watch Sunday night baseball, maybe with a cigar and everything. And, but yeah, no, it's just, it's relaxing. And, and, you know, you know, you're getting old when this kind of stuff fires you up. But like, I like I like trying new whiskeys and scotches and trying to see if I'm, I can taste those, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about and um, you know one thing that my wife's gotten to do because um, you know her dad so her dad coached at Notre Dame and and you know so she's been over to Ireland and and like so that's something I'd like to do someday I'd like to go over to Scotland and Ireland and and just do a taste tour and stuff like that and and uh, but it is I I, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, if they if they bring us back, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you on that trip over there. Because oh, I would love
1: to. It's such a cool place. I mean, I, did, I went, you go, I was, did you go? Did you go with? Um, who put that trip on?
0: We did. So we had we reached oh, out did. to yeah. We just uh, one of our trainers is uh, affiliated with them. He had worked with their with their team, and it's more. I wouldn't say it's a national. Well, it's a national. It's their national team. Um, they don't necessarily have like a full on federation, like a lot of the other ones do, but you know, they were in the process of moving themselves forward and and talking to those guys. I mean, it really is cool what they're trying to do right now, because you know, there's a big Irish influence, whether it's Mm -hmm. Chicago or East coast or whatever. So I think they're kind of stuck right now with trying to either figure out if they want to get guys that are native Irish guys, or it's the, the passport, um, you know, regulations, I guess you'd call them, or uh, ability to get an Irish passport is is fairly easy. I think it's a grandparent needs to be from Ireland. Uh So it can be done. And Uh and so if they wanted to, you know, they could probably bring guys who have finished their college, um, their college eligibility, go over there, play for the national team that has some sort of, you know, uh, Irish lineage, and, you know, probably start building it up that way one of the things I think they're, they're struggling with is they don't have any native sports that have an overhand throw. It's Gaelic football. It's, you know, (laughs) it's like soccer and you know, all of their sports are, they're not, they don't have no overhand throwing motion. So they're good athletes, but the throwing Mm. is just actually weird for them. So, sure, um, but they've, they've really worked to put things together. I mean, at this right now, they're, they're kind of in a position where they have, adults that are trying to play like an, an adult league, um, uh-huh. you know, and they're trying to take yeah. the best players and make it into the national team. So um, they've done a good job. Donegal Fergus has gone over there. Yeah. He's at Washington. I was with uh, the, tw- I think the twins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've, they've done a really good job of, of trying to build up their program, but yeah, one of our trainers knew him and he said, Hey, do you guys want to go? And we said, let's do it. And that's awesome. Why good for not? You. And then we yeah, took the last year and, and did a couple other countries. We hit, we hit Budapest and Prague uh vienna munich so good to see a little bit it was cool
1: that is really cool yeah yeah uh, yeah. ireland and, and scotland are two that are on my list of uh, places i want to get to the i won't i started with the arbeg
0: the wee beastie it's a okay. five-year-old and it's nice yeah. i really i mean it's that isla scotch man it's just a it's a campfire and i kind of dig it
1: yeah um, that's but, a good way if it's really smoky no doubt yeah
0: i like it yeah. so I know that there's a there's a teeling that just came out. It's an Irish whiskey that's peated, so that mm-hmm. might be kind of kind of fun and interesting. But I've been sticking with that, and and then I go to the Irish whiskey because that's kind yeah, of Yeah, like man, Irish whiskey yeah. and bourbon are my go tos.
1: I got you. What's your bourbon? What's your go to bourbon? Oh, uh, I, I, like I I like the I like the Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson's good. I
0: kind of mix it up. I try because there's so many different ones I've been, I've been good with the craft distilleries lately. If I'm going to go with like an everyday, just standard, it's mm. the Russell's reserve 10 year. Um, mm. it's, it's, you know, it's affordable. It's always on the yeah. shelf. Um, you know, and it comes from a good, a good company that's been around forever with, uh, it was a wild Turkey. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think they've, they've done a really nice job and make some good. They make some good stuff. So that's my go-to every day.
1: So, uh, Two two buddies of mine they they're really big into into bourbon and and I'm trying to find the, the name of the one they sent me but um, I'll uh, I'll have to find it but it's I think it, I want to say it's like a bourbon like horse soldiers but it's basically yeah. have you heard of it yeah yeah so it, I I want to say it's it's like a, a brand or a, they made it in honor of the horse soldiers that went into Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Like I and they, my, my buddies told me it's fantastic, but it's like, I can't get it in PA. So I was, I heard okay. it really good.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to get them on. I actually reached out cause I read the story about it was the horse soldiers that were yeah. on the, okay, the cool. cliffs of the mountain on, in Afghanistan, all the green yeah. berets. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I just want to, I want to talk to
1: one of those guys. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So if you, I'll be listening to that one. If you, when you do yeah. that, man, I'm all in on that, but, uh, no, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I enjoy, um, you know the I I'm getting it like kind of like you're starting to kind of try scotches I'm getting into yeah. whiskeys a little bit more, um, but I you know when 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 the world gets back to normal we can kind of go out and do stuff, um, you know you, your best bet is to try to go to a place that has like flights and yeah. you get some different ones and, and you'll get a good taste that way too so but, yeah. but I I I will promise you this man when when you and I um, hook up sometime in person we'll we'll, we'll try some.
0: Yeah, for sure. When you get out to Arizona,
1: if you're out this way, you know
0: spring training time or anything like that, then we'll uh, we'll make sure we get a couple samples in. <laughs> hey,
1: so you'll you'll appreciate the story. So you know, for those of you out there who have never been to Camelback, where their spring training site is, it's gorgeous. Like it's really really nice. And you guys share it with who? White Sox. White Sox. So three years ago, my oldest son is playing in a tournament out there in the summer, and they're playing on the backfields and uh <laughs> this is just my older son he's he's a bucket full of confidence well he gets in one and he hits it out right and we're you know we're driving home we're driving back to the hotel and he goes hey dad and I was like yeah he goes guess what and I said what and he said Cody Bellinger and I have something in common I'm like really what's that And he goes we both hit one out of Camelback <laughs> And I was like, "Okay, big guy, like whatever." Yeah.
0: <laughs> Take, uh, yeah, I, still, see, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> you guys were both on the ground, so it's not the yeah. same. But I got you. But shoot for. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. good. It's good. Uh, it's a good yeah. way to look at
0: that. <laughs> uh, um, well, hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on here. I got to tell you, so this is. I think I told you this when we were uh, when we were going back and forth on Twitter. 2000 I think it was 2014 I think because you had been at at Penn State for a year or two at that point right Mm -hmm. yep and I was at UNL I think it was when we were I was at UNLV but we were in San Jose staying at the same hotel Mm -hmm. and I I met you very briefly back then and I thought man that guy is super cool like just very generous with your with your time and you know like I really appreciate that and it's just it's like kind of everything we've talked about with some of these other guys that that have paved the way in college baseball that have been big names and and guys who have done some really cool things the the fact that they're willing to show people, you know, time and the care and consideration and not just look past them. I thought like that was my first year coaching division one baseball. And I'm like three weeks into my career and I'm meeting the head coach from Penn state and I was super stoked and you were super, super nice. And I, I really always appreciate that. So you definitely have a, a Penn state fan in me over here.
1: Well, I, I really appreciate it, and I'll, I'll get your size, man, and I'll send you out some gear. But uh, no, that means a lot, and um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I love. I was I was really happy for you guys to break through and win that World Series. But uh, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing in the player development side, and, and you know, this is cool. What you're doing here is cool too, and because I, I, I think sometimes, you know, we get so serious about what we do. Mm-hmm sometimes forget about some of the other stuff that we enjoy and so for you to be able to bring both of these and talk about some cool stuff is, is really cool so um you got a you got a big fan here too man
0: i appreciate it it's definitely it's definitely it's fun and it's out of the comfort zone a little bit and uh yes like i said we gotta we gotta be able to kind of get back to some
1: of our other uh enjoyments in life you know and and you've you've taken even more steps knowing that you're getting samples sent to your house like um, like you're you're my guy. Like that's awesome.
0: I'm not I'm not gonna say that the, the samples or tax uh,
1: benefits didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> hey, under understood. Like whatever it is, you know, or even if you're just trying to educate America, whatever yeah. it is, it, it's good. So. Awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. We'll talk we'll talk again
0: soon for sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Yep.